This podcast is produced by KPP Financial. Steve Peasley, President. KPP Financial. Independent thinking, shared success. And now today's podcast. Good afternoon, everybody, and welcome to Invest Talk. This is our Monday, March 16th, 2020 edition of Invest Talk. And I thank you all for joining me today. It's been uh, been quite the day, uh, definitely. And you know, this is a market that is coming off a big dose of reality. And the reality is, is that after years of central bank intervention, central bank stimulus, uh, we're now in a market that is working off those excess uh, and doing it in a, in a quick fashion. Um, if you ever read the book Anti-Fragile by Nassim Tlaib, this, this is the type of reaction that you get from what would be considered uh, a low volatility environment, right? Low volatility breeds eventually high volatility once you get a catalyst. And clearly we have a catalyst. We have a very strong catalyst and therefore you're getting a very strong reaction. Right, uh, the, the, the economy has been given a big dose of I don't know what you would call it. <laughs> I guess reality is what you would call it. Um, you know, the past couple weeks have been quick and sudden, um, and we're now near some big, big support in the market. Uh, so we're at a crucial stage here. Um, you know, we're working off of a bubble in indexing. Um, so those who were invested in robo-advisory services and forced into indexes because that's all their 401k offers. They're suddenly waking up very quickly to an environment where they didn't expect, they, they had never expected, right? Because the whole mantra was always just by the indexes, just by the indexes. And we're no longer, or you're starting to see the fact that equities of all kinds, whether it's an index or not, can have large swings in volatility. And even though you hadn't seen it over the past 11 years, they do happen. And they were always going to have that level of volatility eventually. And that's what you're seeing here. So I think this certainly calls into question uh, monetary policy over the past decade or so. Uh, it calls into question, you know, the soundness of the economy, underlying economy, when a pandemic like this can create such disruptions in the markets. Right? Obviously, it's going to have economic impacts, but the economic impact should always dwarf 
the market impact, right? Because the markets just have a long-term view. And clearly, in a lot of ways, it's not. Now, I know I'm going to get some calls today uh, in regards to gold. So I'm going to give you an understanding of what's happening in the gold market. Because uh, the last few days, today and uh, Thursday, Friday last week, were very volatile, uh, both downward late last week and this morning, and then upward is for the rest of the day today. This is a Russia story. Russia has been stockpiling gold for the better part of a decade. And now, and Saudi Arabia, on the other hand, has been investing in things like we work in a lot of poor investments, right? Uh, but they're now in a price war on oil. And a large part of this market disruption has to do with the oil market as well. And that's being underreported. So, in order to withstand or compete in this price war, Saudi Arabia and Russia are going to pull out the big guns of their financial resources. And in many ways, they need liquidity. Uh, and Russia liquidated a lot of its gold positions late last week. And that's what pushed prices down. But if you saw this morning, prices on gold were down, uh, even gold miners were down 10, 15, some of them were down 20%. And you saw that reverse dramatically, and GDX was up in the mid-teens today, outperformed the S&P by 25% in one day. This is an explosive, explosive environment for gold. If you don't have gold, I've been saying it for two, three years, have to have exposure. Demand in the, in the physical market is skyrocketing. And you're about to see gold have a two-handle, you know, over 2,000 an ounce, I think, rather quickly. It was pretty shocking how fast it went down last week. And I'm not saying it's going to take off right away. But this is an environment with 0% interest rates uh, from the Fed and money printing once again uh, that it's just very explosive. Uh, so this is an incredible buying opportunity in that space. So be out there looking for great names that will do very well in an environment like this with 0% interest rates. So that's my piece for today on the markets. Obviously, we're going to talk about this uh, as we go along. And you know, I tend to talk about the coronavirus. But I've talked about it many times before. We know this is going to drag out. But ultimately, I want to hear from you. I want to know what's on your mind during this hour at 888-99-CHART, 888-992-4278. Now let's go to Sid in Georgia. He wants to talk about debt. Hey, Justin. Yeah, you said in an environment like this, it's good to look for stocks that don't have a lot of debt. Just wondering what you're looking at in order to determine that. Is it the debt-to-equity ratio? Is it just their overall long-term debt number? And if it is, if, if it's the latter, are you comparing it within the sector or just across all stocks? And then also wanted to know about uh, Garmin, G-R-M-N. All right. Well, you're looking at uh, – well, I'll start with the debt side uh, just because that kind of speaks to everybody. Uh, I, I'll, I'll, you want to compare it to everybody in the industry because you're definitely going to compare debt ratios differently depending on what type of uh, industry uh, they're in and how volatile they're sales are and earnings are. 
Uh, and then you want to look at things like not necessarily debt to equity because uh, equity can be kind of misleading. Uh, and you're, when you're talking about equity, you're typically talking about book value. Um, and book value can be all over the place. Um, you know, I like to look more like times interest earned, right? How much earnings they have in relation to the interest that they're paying. Uh, cash flow to interest payments, things like that. Those are more important metrics to me. Uh, because, and once again, earnings can be manipulated as well. So times interest can be a little tough, but I like cash flow. Do they have positive cash flow? And is that higher than their level of interest on their debt? Uh, and significantly so. I want that definitely significantly so. So the higher, uh, they have a the higher interest coverage ratio they have, the better, uh, I'm going to feel about their debt servicing as well as how cyclical their business is. So certainly that. And then Garmin. Garmin, uh, this is a name that we own for some managed accounts a while back. Not, don't currently own it, but I, one thing I like about it, this company with very little debt, zero long-term debt on their balance sheet. Now, one of the problems, though, with Garmin is that they've built a pretty substantial business in the aviation industry with GPS, uh, right? Auto, uh, aviation, marine, outdoor, fitness uh, markets. So this is an area that will be very cyclical. Um, so from a balance sheet perspective, it gets an A+. But from a cyclicality perspective, I would give it maybe a D-, minus, right? So you, you have to look at both sides there. Uh, great company, great consistent profitability. I like that and cash flow. Uh, but it's certainly going to be cyclical, and you need to be able to ride that this cycle out. Um, but it doesn't look like a company that is going to be forcing a bankruptcy or anything like that. So it should recover nicely eventually. But you have to understand that there will be volatility. Thanks for the call, Sid. You're listening to Invest Talk. I'm Justin Klein, and we present this program with five new shows each and every weekday, Monday through Friday. And it is broadcast and streamed live in the 4 o'clock time hour. And whenever you have an investment question, I encourage you to contact myself or Steve Peasley at KCP Financial or explore our podcast library. You can search, listen, and subscribe. So please take a second to rate the Invest Talk podcast at iTunes, Spotify, or Google Play. And now I'm taking your questions live at 888-99-CHART. In a matter of days, Justin Klein will be meeting with registered Invest Talk listeners in San Jose, California. And next month, Steve Peasley will travel to two cities for portfolio consultation appointments Houston, Texas on April 17th and Chicago, Illinois on April 20th. Learn more and register soon at investtalk.com. Let's go to John in Santa Cruz looking at Chevron. Uh, hi, Justin. Yes, I, well, the question is I own shares of Chevron and Exxon, and uh, I'm wondering if I should lighten up on positions, or are you just going to ride it through? Or uh, uh, We like Chevron your... and, and Exxon. Uh, you know, in this environment with oil, uh, what you're going to need is a wipeout of the weaker companies. And when I say weaker companies, the companies with a lot of debt uh, that right. don't have positive cash flows that have been investing in especially the shale space at uh, high break-even mm-hmm. costs, right? And now mm-hmm. with oil prices very much below that 
$40 a barrel mark, you're going to see a lot of those companies, which were kind of hanging on by a thread before, go bankrupt and shut in supply, right, and shut down wells. Uh, and mm -hmm. that's going to benefit from a supply perspective, uh, those that can stay producing, uh, that have assets that are their break-even levels are very low, right? In the single digits sometimes, and you know, Exxon Chevron has those type of uh, those assets. Uh, and not only that, but Chevron Exxon will have have both have the balance sheet to go and pick up parts of those businesses, uh, and over the long run will earn big returns. Because I do think oil eventually does return to north of fifty dollars a barrel once we get through this this recession that we're in. Uh, so <clears throat> those are, are names that, that I would want to hold, want to keep, maybe even uh, up my allocation slightly. Uh, what you don't want to be holding on to are names with extensive debt, uh, poor cash flow levels that have been dubious oil investments for a while. Um, those are the names that, you know, they might look cheap now. They might be trading for a dollar or $2 a share. And a lot of people, a lot of novices are going to look at that and think that's cheap. Uh, and in reality, it's very expensive because those names are probably worth zero. Uh, and so uh, you want to avoid those names. So look for the quality names in the oil space. You're going to have to ride out some volatility, but they will, I, I think long term, you're going to have a, a great value in, in letting those quality names in the oil space with good balance sheets. Thanks for the call. This is Invest Talk. I'm Justin Klein, and I believe every investor should determine their own individual risk tolerance. Especially in times like this, we talk about this all the time. And I'm sure a lot of you glaze over it about having the first step in building a reliable investment strategy is to define your comfort zone. Has the market gotten you out of your comfort zone over the past few weeks? I bet it has. I know I'm talking to a lot of people that this has. And so you need to have a strategy that will keep you in your comfort zone when you have markets like this. And we use a risk analysis tool that's free on our website if you want to check that out. We can define and create a portfolio that will fit your comfort zone. But for now, I'm ready to take your questions live at 888-99-CHART. This is Invest Talk. Is your portfolio balanced? Is it optimized? Is it delivering the types of gains you want and need to achieve financial freedom? Well, turn up the volume because there are many questions that deserve unbiased answers. And Justin Klein is here now, ready to take your calls live. 888 99 Chart. Let's go to Farhan in San Jose looking at STOR, S-T-O-R, STOR Capital Corp. This is a REIT, correct? Yes, uh, Justin. Thank you for your show. It's taken a pretty big hit today. And uh, mm -hmm. um, I'm just trying to understand why are REITs falling so much given that interest rates are actually uh, falling. Uh, well, very simple is that most REITs have a good amount of debt on their balance sheet. Uh, right. they, they purchase properties with leverage, and so companies with leverage are certainly getting taken down, and a lot of them need access to the capital markets, the bond market, for example, 
in order to uh, stay afloat. And you're especially getting a big downside in anything that's commercial property related, especially the type of properties that store typically owns. Uh, and that wow. includes uh, restaurants. Uh, their most popular are restaurants, health clubs, movie theaters, early childhood education centers. You're talking about like preschools and daycare facilities, furniture stores. All of these are directly in the scope of the type of businesses that are likely to be shut down. Uh, and therefore, they're getting hit uh, because if they can't, if they're not going to be paying rent or they're going to be defaulting on their leases, that means they're probably eventually defaulting on their bonds as well. So that's why you're getting such a big downdraft in REITs and especially in commercial REITs, just like STOR. Thank you. Makes sense? Yes, it does. Thank you. All right. Thanks, Farhan. That was S-T-O-R, which is Store Capital Corp. You know, this is an environment where if you're, if you have any level of debt, significant level of debt, you are in that area of the economy that is likely to be either shut down completely for a little while or just simply a lot less people are going to be frequently in those locations that is going to be a big, big problem for you. And the market's repricing that as such. Okay. Now, this kind of segues nicely into our main talking point today concerning that small businesses say that the coronavirus is causing supply chain squeezes. Now, this is a report from the National Federation of Independent Businesses. And the group found that 74% of small businesses say that they are not yet impacted by the pandemic. 23 said they are negatively, and just 3% reported positive impact. Now, there's, there are a handful of businesses that this would be positive. Well, I'll give you one anecdotal, and this goes to the strength of grocery stores in general, and there's one large one that we own for clients uh, that we really like. And it is uh, my, one of my buddies. He works for an alcohol distribution company. And he said that one of the stores... I won't say the brand, but one of his grocery stores typically does a million dollars a month. This is uh, in a you know, high traffic area, million dollars a month in sales, uh, which is rough. To, no, sorry, not million dollars a month, million dollars a week in sales. And it's roughly $150,000 a day. Well, the other day they did $600,000 in sales in one day, quadruple the amount of sales that they typically do. We're stocking up on everything. Uh, so, you know, a lot of people are talking about Costco, and Costco's very, yes, people are going to be buying a lot of dry goods and toilet paper and water and stuff, but what are they not going to be buying? TVs, computers, printers, clothes, anything, you know, that's really discretionary, right? And so they're going to be hurt on that side of their business. So that's why I don't love Costco uh, nearly as much as just the pure play grocery stores, FYI. But... Going back to the poll, they sampled 300 of its 300,000 members with employees up to 120, so small businesses. 
Okay. And among the businesses that said they were being hurt, 42% reported seeing slower sales while 39 were experiencing supply chain disruption. So that's a big issue as well with China. Now, China is going to start to try to get back to work here a little bit. And I think they're going to do it slowly. But the worry is that they have a reacceleration of cases, right? Uh, and that's something I think needs to be discussed here a little bit more is what level of a shutdown is not only bad for the economy, but also is poor for allowing this to flatten the curve effectively over the right time period. Because if we don't have immunity to it and we all kind of just stop what we're doing and it stops spreading, we're going to look at numbers dropping. We're going to say everything's fine. Then we're going to get back to work. And then it's going to reaccelerate because we don't have any herd immunity to it. So in a way, some small spreading, especially among younger people, healthier people, is probably a good thing in the grand scheme of things because those people won't pass away. They might get a little sick and they're going to develop immunity to it and not spread it to those that are older. So I think there's definitely a balancing act here, um, but certainly the supply chain disruptions are real. Uh, and this is where the economy is really going to get hurt more than anything. It's not the big businesses. It's the small mom and pops that are reliant on consistent business. I'm Justin Klein. I'm ready to take your questions live at 888-99-CHART. At the start of each new day, we are presented with opportunities. The chance to learn better ways of doing things. The prospect for establishing stronger business connections. But as you go about your daily routine, there's one task, one challenge you should not put off. The need to plan for and work toward achieving financial freedom. That point in the future when your money, your assets are working for you while you work only if you want to. Getting from here to there to your idea of financial freedom is possible. However, serious investors eventually recognize that unless they can afford to devote the time and efforts required to thoroughly understand market dynamics, to properly balance, optimize, and maintain their portfolios, Expert guidance will be essential. The moment that spark of reality hits, you will want to consult with Steve Peasley and Justin Klein of KPP Financial in Irvine, California. KPP Financial consultations are unbiased, offered without cost or obligation, and designed to help guide individuals toward their ultimate financial objectives. The next highly beneficial step for your investing future can start when you reach out to Steve or Justin via Skype, a phone call, or a quick message through investtalk.com. You are listening to Invest Talk. The health of your financial future may depend on the decisions you start making now in 2020. Justin Klein is here, ready to provide his unbiased investment guidance, and the phone lines are open. 888-99-CHART. I hear you guys always talking about large cap, big cap, and small cap stocks, and I was just wondering what the difference between all three of them were. Thank you. Bye. 
Oh, that's easy. It's just simply the size of their market cap of, of their business. Now, where those lines from, go from small to large or even micro cap to small uh, and then mid to, to large, uh, those lines are blurry. Uh, it used to be anything under a billion dollars in market cap was a small cap. Anything kind of under 200 million was a micro cap. And then you, you hit large cap at say 5 billion. So one to 5 billion was mid cap. Uh, those are kind of iffy, uh, not say iffy, but they're up to their interpretation. Let's just say that, uh, especially as the market has grown now, obviously a lot of companies are suddenly moving down in capitalization pretty dramatically. And there may be a, a recategorization of, of that. Um, now, in this environment, I think the new environment, you'd say large cap's over 10. To me, mid cap is kind of that 2 to 10. And anything under 2 billion would be small cap. Uh, that's the way I would classify it. But it's really up to, to you. And that market cap is how many shares are outstanding, multiply it by the share price. And that's why I always say, people always think, oh, well, it's trading at $80 a share or it's trading at $4 a share or $3,000 a share. And they think that's the number that matters. Eh, it's the market cap. It's the enterprise value, how much debt they have in their balance sheet. Those are factors when you're looking at valuation, how much a company costs. It's not about what that nominal share price is. It's about the overall valuation in the marketplace, and we're talking about market cap, enterprise value, et cetera. Thanks for the call. Great question. Hopefully that enlightened a little more, uh, a few more people uh, on the line today as well. Now let's touch a little bit on this decline and put it all into perspective, right? We know that the bear market is here. We're in a bear market. We're almost at a bear market today. I think it was down about 12% today. And it's been a nasty, quick sell-off. And back in just February 19th, less than a month ago, less than a month ago, the stock market closed, hit another record all-time high, stretching all the way back from 2009. And if you look at the Morningstar U.S. market index, it was up 23% over the previous 12 months up until that time and up nearly 15% a year for the past three years, and up 12% a year for the past five years. And all of those returns are well above long-term averages for equities. Now, this goes back to the housing market in 2005, four, five, six, right, where prices were going up 15, 20% a year, when historically they only go up about this rate of inflation, two, 3% a year. And so, you can have outsized returns in one year or multiple years, but you have that back-to-back-to-back-to-back, and suddenly you get valuations that are extremely stretched, and that's what you're seeing here. Okay. Now, if you update these stats based on close of March 12th, so this would be Thursday, which is about 1,000 points on the Dow higher from here. The morning start... U.S. market index was down 10.8% over the previous 12 months. You know, add another 10% to that, so they're down about 
Three-year average annual return was 2.9 positive and 5.25% positive over, or sorry, negative. Those are all negative over the past five years. So you can see how quickly things have turned, how prospects for the market have turned. Now, if you turn to the bond market, however, this bond market has not been immune either. For 2020 total, it's up 2.3%, the Morningstar U.S. core bond index, and up 10% over the past 12 months. Back on February 19th, index had been up 9.4% for the prior 12 months. So it's up slightly more than that now. Uh, and a lot of that has to do with the rally in treasuries. Now, if you take your standard mix of 60% stocks, 40% bonds, even after the market drop, the, the, that overall portfolio was down just 5.4% for the past year. It shows you how much a large bond allocation, which our balanced income program is kind of that 60-40, right? That 60-40. Right now, we're, we've been a little bit more bonds than equities, so that certainly helps as well. But the 60-40 portfolio was up on average 5.2% per year for the past three years and a hair under 5% for the past five years. And that keeps you ahead of inflation. So a lot of people love equities and you're starting to get a sense of what being a real equity investor is like. It's really understanding that level of volatility. But having a diversified portfolio, having that bond component in good times looks stupid. Or it looks like it's holding you back. But your goal is to grow your money steadily over time, beat inflation, and that's what that type of portfolio does. For example, if you take $10,000 and you invest in a 60-40 bond portfolio or 60-40 portfolio a decade ago, on February 19th, it was worth $21,550. And even after this market collapsed, which was granted 1,000 points on the Dow higher than this, it was worth about 18000 16% decline from the top, but still well above where you were a decade ago, 80% above where you were a decade ago. So building portfolios, building strategies that will keep you in your comfort zone of risk is very important, as well as keep you on track in both good times and bad, right? Because it's not and a lot of people make this mistake is they look at their portfolio and they look at the S&P and they say, they did it better or they worse. Well, you could do better and have a poorly constructed portfolio. Why? Because you were just simply in very risky names that happen to do well and will beat the, beat the S&P when things are good, but it will drastically underperform when things are bad. And vice versa, where you know, your portfolio might be up 8 9%. But the SP is up 20 and you want 20. Why do I going to have 20? Well, you didn't take quite the risk. And guess what? When the market's down 30 like it's been over the past months, you're not going to take quite the beating. So this is a great time to start to really understand how the market works, how portfolio strategy works, how investment strategy works. Let's go to Jay in Fremont. He's looking at A. 
ADS, which is Alliance Data Systems. I had a question on this uh, stock ADS. Uh, it has fallen a lot. In fact, it has uh, gone into gone to half in five days. Uh, but it's a, it has a good uh, balance sheet. Company is doing good. I wanted to know if it's a good buy. It also pays a good dividend. Thank you. Okay. Uh, I, I, would, I wouldn't say this has a good balance sheet. This is a company that has $10 billion in debt on its balance sheet. And it is a market cap now of $1.7 billion. Uh, what they do is they provide transaction credit and marketing services to over 2,200 consumer-based businesses worldwide. Uh, this yields 7%, but they are likely to cut that dividend uh, and that's what the market's really pricing in. The market's pricing in a default here uh, on their on their equity. Uh, it's high back in 2015 was $300 a share. Now we're at 36, so down 90% in those those years, and it's been in a downtrend. Uh, it has negative cash flow last quarter, about $336 million. This is a name. Times interest earn only 2.27. Uh, and that's trailing. Uh, what's going to happen in the future uh, is going to be much, much worse than that. So this is a name that will likely cut its dividend and probably eliminate it rather soon. And it will also likely go bankrupt. That's what the market is telling me here with Alliance Data Systems, ADS. This is InvestStock. I'm Justin Klein. You probably heard me say that this more than once. There are really only two emotions that drive the market, fear and greed. Let me focus for a second on the fear side. And the truth is that many investors have experienced this fear firsthand over the past month. And you're probably unsure how to rejigger your portfolio to put the proper risk in order to reach your goals and keep you able to sleep at night. So how can you understand your risk? Well, my advice is to take our free risk analysis tool over at besttalk.com. You can send it to your portfolio, and we will tell you what your risk profile looks like and how to adjust it in order to reach your particular goals. And now I'm ready to take your questions live at 888-99-CHART. In a matter of days, Justin Klein will be meeting with registered InvestTalk listeners in San Jose, California. That's right. March 20th is the date, and Justin will be conducting personalized portfolio reviews at no cost and without obligation. And next month, Steve Peasley will travel to two cities for portfolio consultation appointments, Houston, Texas on April 17th and Chicago, Illinois on April 20th. Learn more and register soon at investtalk.com. Let's go to Robert in Vancouver. Let's talk about the market. Hello? Yeah, Robert, how are you doing? Good, how are you? I'm doing well. What do you want to talk about the market? So I'm just figuring out, like, where are we going to go from here? I mean, the Dow crashed pretty heavily, and it just seems like it's going to a, a seemingly never-ending bottom. But, like, you know, when we had it now start accounting for, like, you know, the – the earnings, because that's not even coming yet, because everything's now shut. I mean, when when will be the right time to get back in? Well, a lot will depend on continuation of uh, government intervention here. Uh, you know, the Fed has gone to zero, into the QE again. 
Uh, we have a bill that's been approved in Congress. Uh, and I think what the Fed was going to need to do is pivot to a more emergency measures to support different, different industries. And that's something uh, that I think is next. Uh, and I think you're going to get some rallies on that. But I, I continue to think those are rallies that you are more apt to sell or at least re, uh, reallocate your portfolio towards safer, non-cyclical, low-debt names. Um, I think there's a distinct possibility we head back to the we, – we could go back to the 08 lows on the S&P. I think that's possible. I really do. Now, is it likely? I wouldn't say it's likely, but uh, a lot depends on the policy response. You know, this is uh, this market's built on a lot of debt, uh, a lot of corporate debt on the balance sheets, and um, a lot that is in the junk space as well as a lot that's in the triple B space that's now going to be downgraded, especially the uh, a lot of the oil names that were triple B and probably are no longer going to be. Uh, and so how long this drags out, how many defaults there are, and we'll, how that feeds in and feeds on itself uh, is going to depend on a lot of factors. So um, where the ultimate bottom is, I can't tell you yet, because policy makers will do things to try to save off, I guess, Armageddon, shall we say. Uh, and they're not probably going to stop until... They solve it, right? Uh, the issue is that they're fighting two wars, one with the virus and one on the economic front. And frankly, the virus is the one that takes precedent, uh, and they're trying to counter the impacts. Uh, and whether they're successful or not is, is still yet to be known. Um, but the market so far has not liked it, has not believed in their policies, um, but that doesn't mean they can't come up with other policies that will be more effective, and I think they likely will at some point. I just can't tell you exactly when that is. This is Invest Talk. I'm Justin Klein, and we are going into our last segment. So if you want to give me a call, you got to do it now. Our goal here on Invest Talk each weekday is to help you achieve your own version of financial freedom. So our work continues after this break. You get your questions in now at 888 chart. At a time of great interest in the market, InvestTalk listeners are invited to expand their stock and strategy guidance information by listening to a special new bonus podcast, the InvestTalk Rapid Fire Hour. Go to investtalk.com to see the podcast listing for the March Bonus Show. Hi, Steve and Justin. I love the show. Listen to you guys all the time for many years. I have a question on a stock that I've been watching, and of course here with all the turbulence, it's been going up and down in price, and hopefully in another downswing, I might consider picking it up here for long-term hold. Regine Pharmaceutical, R-E-G-N, is a ticker symbol. Seems to have good numbers in the pharmaceutical field and making a lot of new drugs and so forth. I don't believe it has a dividend, but... The numbers look good and everything looks good. The 
PEG ratio that a lot of investors go by is really low, and the PE ratio is also low. So, wondering what you guys thought of this stock for a long-term hold. Um, look forward to hearing your answers on the show. Thanks. Have a good day. I was looking at Regeneron Pharmaceuticals, R-E-G-N is a symbol, and this is a company that's held up very well in the midst of the market turmoil. I hit $500 a share earlier this month, and it's at 440 so yeah, down about 10%, but it's in a pretty strong uptrend that started in October of last year. And he's right, it is uh, definitely relatively relatively cheap. It's uh, enterprise value to EBITDA is about 18 which is not... Super low, but not super high. But the big thing about it is that they have no long-term debt. I love that. And you're, this is exactly the type of name that's going to do relatively well in this market, are names with very little to no debt on their balance sheet. And that's why it's weathering the storm. Uh, you know, their, their business is also anti-cyclical. So you're getting an A-plus pretty much on both sides here with revenues up in the, the – the teens, the mid-teens on average over the past couple of years, uh, earnings up 15% rejected this year and you know down or up uh, 7% next year. So certainly that's going to be hit most likely to some degree, just economic headwinds in general, but probably minor. Uh, you know, it's a, they develop drugs to treat eye disease, inflammation disease, cancer, uh, et cetera. And I don't think things are going, those things are going away uh, and all. So I like this. Uh, it's, I'm a fan of it. If you're looking to oh, add some a biopharma name with minimal debt or no debt in this case, this is the type of name you want to own. Now let's grab another caller question from 888-99-CHART. Hey, Steve and Justin. This is John from Michigan. I uh, don't have anything in my portfolio in the aerospace and defense area. Um, I'm going to start building a small position in general dynamics, and I'm pretty comfortable with that company. But I also have been looking at Textron, TXT, and it seems really cheap compared to all the rest of them in that area. I'd like to get your opinion on that stock and what you think about it as far as value and stability and so forth. Appreciate it. Talk to you soon. All right, looking at Textron, they make fixed-wing and rotor aircraft, fuel systems, armored vehicles for defense, aerospace, and industrial markets. The name that is down 53% from its all-time or its 52-week high. Its all-time high was around $70 and change. Just a few years ago, now we're at $26.90 a share. Earnings expected to fall 5% this quarter and 13% next quarter. Uh, they make helicopters, and there's the oil and gas industry uses helicopters extensively to get the rigs, especially offshore, uh, and certainly that's going to be hit uh, because of oil prices. So uh, that's a downside there. Uh, let me look at the longer-term chart here on a monthly and kind of give you a sense of where the major support would be. You know, the big issue, the biggest issue here, once again, going back to debt, and this does have about $3 billion in long-term debt, call it almost four, uh, market cap of uh, $6 billion, enterprise value of nine, enterprise value is only six, but that's very cheap. Free cash flow is very positive, so I like that. Um, you know, overall, I like this name. The, the major, major support is going to be closer to $20 a share, and now we're at 27 So I could definitely see downside uh, from there. You know, I, I don't love the aerospace and defense area right now, but I kind of like this name. There's not a ton of debt, especially in relation to its cash flows. 
uh, and it's uh, definitely cheap at these levels. So, I like the XP. I'm Justin Klein. This is another Invest Talk program. I'll return on Thursday. DP will host the program tomorrow. Please remember that you can access our free Invest Talk podcast downloads at iTunes, Google Play, and Spotify. Be sure to listen, rate, and review. Good night. Because of the nature of the interactive dialogue inherent in the format of this program, it's important for the listener to understand that not all comments made will apply to them specifically. Nothing said shall be taken to be investment advice, or shall statements on this program be considered an offer to buy or sell securities. Such advice is rendered solely on an individual basis, and at times will require that the investor review a prospectus before investing. Invest Talk is a copyrighted program of Klein Pavlis Peasley Financial, a registered investment advisor, which retains all rights. For more information regarding KPP's investment advisors, call 1-800-557-5461. Steve Peasley is President and Justin Klein Chief Executive Officer of Klein Pavlis Peasley Financial. And they thank you for listening and welcome your comments or questions on our 24-hour listener line at 888-99-CHART.